Welcome to this edition of When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine, a discussion of sustainable living and what that means to you and me. I'm Jay Warmke. And I'm Annie Warmke. You are. And today we're going to talk about what we learned in 2021 and what we can look forward to in 2022 from a sustainability perspective. Or this is our Janus program. And, and Oh, do tell. What do tell what is Janus. Well, Janus, of course, he's like some sort of Greek god. You know the one that has two faces, one faces forward, no, one I faces backward. Okay. There's too many to Well, well the month of January is named for this Roman god, okay. looking forward and backwards. And Janus was the god of um, the future and the past, the god of gates, gateways, doorways, um, probably, I don't know, small turtles. Who knows what else it could be the god of. But anyway, so I just thought, okay, we're going to look forward. We're going to look back. This time of year, people have these, you know, backward looks, but I want to look forward as well. So, so Annie, from the, <laughs> from the, world, so Annie, from the world of uh, sustainability, um, the lessons learned in, in 2021, what, what's, what's your first lesson? What's the first lesson you learned? Well, first of all, I don't think uh, it's not I learned, and I don't think it's about necessarily sustainability because we don't seem to be able to to figure that out. But I will say that one of the things that has been big um, in the last year is self-care, um, almost like a movement of self-care, people wanting to do yoga more and doing a lot of things online, um, Zoom meetings with friends and family to maintain relationships, online games where you can play games with other people. I know a lot of people are doing that like on a Friday night and that's still happening uh, with their friends or their family. And so there's all kinds of like Pictionary games online and uh, just all kinds of things. And then also board games, the sale of board games has gone crazy, uh, which I think is a good thing. People doing things that are healthy, um, to interact with each other and um, maybe learn some people skills. That would be a good self-care. Do you think these are things that were the reaction to COVID? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because, because there was nothing else to do. And a lot of people live in really small spaces in big cities and they have no way to get away or be out and about a lot of the time. So it makes sense that you would want to try to play games and stuff. And you couldn't really go out and get help or go out to a gym. So, so now you're going to say, okay, I'm going to start looking on creating these situations for myself. Well, yeah, online and doing and because you're with your kids all the time uh, for the most part. So that's a big stressor. And so all this thing, all these things about self-care, and I'm going to talk more about that in a, another category. In another, do you think it's something that's going to continue into the future or as soon as people can go back to their to life as they knew it, um, they'll just drop it like a like a hot balloon? I'm not sure. I mean, people are now complaining, oh, I gained so much weight during COVID. I got to do something about it. And But I think our kids are going to demand a little more because they've gotten more attention, whether it was being yelled at or actually worked with. Um, so I think we'll have some degree of this to uh, go forward. And we certainly have bought a lot of stuff during COVID, so hopefully we'll figure out what we're going to do with it. Yeah, I'm going to wait for the for the Peloton bike sales at yes, garage sales. Yes, that's right. And stuff that's and right. Pick one up for twenty five. That's right. I'm I'm going for electric bicycle at a yard sale. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, mine are going to be a lot more um, 
geekish. A lot Aww. more geekish. Yours are all like, like I don't know, what is it? Uh, rainbows and unicorns kind of things. And mine are going to be what um, you're dismissing me into some <laughs> realm of goofiness. I know. No I was way. getting myself in trouble. Anyway, my first prediction. <laughs> My first prediction is that those people who care about these things are going to notice in 2022 that um, we start to hear about virtual utilities. That sounds like an eerie movie that would be scary. Virtual utilities. So, and and like I'm speaking about you in the night. Not really. I'm I'm talking about electric utilities right now, and um, for for our existence as a nation, for those people who are alive today, the last hundred years or so, uh, an electric utility has looked pretty much the same. There was a company that generated electricity. It transferred it or, or transmiss, transmission from the power plant to a local substation and then from the substation to the home. So they, it was a vertically integrated, to use a nice economic term, um, company and, and it was our power company. And it was a monopolistic power company. Well, I am here to tell you for the first time, right? <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> Don't right. hold mark back. This, mark this Don't on hold your back. Comment. That within a decade, the largest electrical utility company in the nation will not own a single power plant, will not own a single wire, and will um, not basically not own anything. Um, what, what is this? It will be a Google? virtual. No, it could be Google. It could be Joe's Electric. Microsoft. Who knows? Could, um, the Silicon Valley folks are going to come into the electric industry in a big way. And already we're starting to see these companies uh, like, like the, um, the First Energy or, or AEP or those kind of companies, they're dividing their company into three different areas. They're dividing it into generation, transmission, and distribution. Well, they sub out two or one of these aspects to another company. Um, well, the biggest company in the world or in the country We'll sub out all three of them. They'll, they'll just simply be a facilitator of electricity, and it will be a Silicon Valley-type company, and a lot of what they're going to sell will have nothing to do with electricity. Okay, so there's a model for this, and that's called the telephone. Yeah, well, this is similar to how Ma Bell transitioned, and now we're starting to see um, communications companies. Well, the bigger, I mean, companies like Google, Facebook, those kind they're, of companies are bigger. Now. They're bigger than the telephone companies. Uh -huh. um, they don't have anything to sell except information and services. Well, the electric industry. But wait, they, are, they have telephone services well, now. Well, now they're getting into the hardware and, and the distribution and that kind of thing. But it's a backwards, you know, they're like, I've got so much money, I may as well get into everything. So, so I'm just telling you, virtual utilities. And in California, for instance, they've just started a process where they're saying, all of you guys who have solar out there, all of you guys who have electric vehicles that are plugged into the grid, battery backup, we want to start aggregating this and using it as, a, as a, basically a virtual power plant. So instead of us building a power plant, we want to use your power and we'll pay you for it, but we want to use it. Well, that's one step in this direction towards virtual utilities. So I think I kicked that horse for a while. 
right. <laughs> okay, well, well. It's not a dead horse. It's a, I don't know, an emerging horse. So what, what's another thing you learned? Well, so bicycles. If you sold bicycles <laughs> in the last two years, you are now wealthy. <laughs> Unless well, you maybe. did it. I don't know. And um, there, there has actually been a shortage because what happened when COVID came and everybody got locked down, and as time went on, and who would have thought it's going to be more than two years, um, people said, hey, I got to get outside, and I got to do something, because I'm in this tiny apartment, or I'm in with these people that we just got to get away from each other for a while to be healthy. So, but the bicycle companies had not seen this coming, of course, uh, and so they just had their normal inventory, and so they got slammed, and the sale price of bicycles has gone through the roof, and um, the, the bicycle sales for the period of March 20th to 2020 to April 2021 were up 57% over the year prior to that. And total sales reached $6.5 billion um, across both large um, companies that sell and specialty retailers. And bicycle sales in the U.S. were up 65% from 2019 to 2020. So electric bikes, here's the one I care about, grew in sales by 145%. And, um, and those suckers are really, really expensive, like thousands of dollars. So we're talking big investment here. So I'm hoping for yard sales. Um, because I would love to have an electric bike. I wanted at one point when we first came back from Europe to buy a scooter that I could just ride to, to um, the small town that we live eight miles from and then ride back. But we decided I would be killed the first day in the first mile, by the way, people drive. So I'm just thinking electric bike, um, people, I don't know, maybe they'll still run over me, but I just love the idea. I would like to ride a bike. Um, but I don't want to die in well, the process. Well, certainly for urban transportation, electric bike. Is well, they're a great big. Idea. They're big, and scooters. You know that all of those sales of those things had just gone through the roof, and I don't see that letting up because the price is going to come down a little bit as the sales sort of level off. But it, I think that it's going to still be. It's it's the it's where we need to be anyway. You know, the pandemic has pushed us in the right direction in some ways. Um, and I think this is one of them where we're using alternative uh, ways to get around. And I know I have some young people I'm doing consulting with around um, sustainability. And uh, they sold their cars during COVID because they brought a lot of money. And they said they'll never have another car. So they take mass transit. They live in a city. Uh, they have electric bike. And they do just fine. So you're going back to my childhood, playing Monopoly and riding bicycles. Right? Well, you know, there was a lot of, there are a lot of good things about uh, doing that type of thing. It's not necessarily an old fashioned, but it has a lot of value for life. Okay, doke. Well, going from low tech to high tech here, once again, one of my predictions for 2022 is, um, <laughs> this is another geek I'm thing. I'm sorry for laughing, but I looked down and it says load control at consumer level. It's yeah, like, what the heck whoa, does that mean? What? Yeah, what in the heck? All right. Well, what I'm talking about here is if you think about the electric grid, which is a pretty amazing thing, um, it has very little storage capacity. So the electric company over the years has had to manage supply 
with demand. And they have to manage that on a real-time basis so that there's always enough supply for the demand that's required at any moment. So they've been doing that, but the, but the thing that they can control is the supply. So if they needed more power, they turn on another power station or whatever, they bring more power into the grid. Now we're getting into load management. And um, because there's two sides to this equation. What does load management Well, mean? basically it means turning on or off things when there is power available. So if we start transitioning to solar, which we are, you well, mean you and me, you and me, but everywhere, the entire world is transitioning to solar, whether you like it or not. Solar is the fastest growing energy source, the cheapest energy source. We are moving into the renewable energy economy and the sun shines during the day. Um, so power is available middle of the afternoon, typically. So how do we match loads that might otherwise be run at night? Um, like run the them in the middle of the day. The hot water tank. Yeah, you can, you basically start controlling loads when the power is available. And if the wind's blowing, maybe you run some things and you don't run them when the wind's not blowing. Or hang well, your but, clothes out. But the utilities have been doing this for a while. Now we're starting to see where at your home, you can hook up essentially smart switches, smart breakers, smart plugs. And on your phone, you can start controlling loads. So let's say you've got a battery backup on your home and it's designed to provide you with a certain number of hours or days of battery backup if the grid goes down. And your phone gives you a text message that says, hey, the power just went out at your house. You're gonna be able to on your phone say, well, let's turn off the air conditioner. Let's turn off my hot water heater for right now. Um, I don't need my car to be charging, so let me turn that thing off. Let's make sure the stoves or whatever, whatever you might have running, I can control that from my phone either when I'm at home or when I'm away from home, and I can begin to control my loads. And Who else is going to be able to control your Well, loads? there's an issue, right? Because, <laughs> I mean, I'm just thinking, all right, you yeah, don't like me anymore. Anything, You're going to get my... Anything that's techie like that can be hacked into. So that could be a problem. Well, I mean, the utility company can decide. Well, they're already trying to do some of that. And they do load shifting. Well, they've and, always done brownouts and blackouts yeah. and, you know, that well, kind of thing. Well, on the, it's on the plus side, they're saying, all right, instead of me just turning off your power, you know, a, ro a rolling blackout or whatever... I can control some of your loads. That gets into a whole different thing. You know, if I can turn down your thermostat or I can turn off your hot water heater as a utility, then what happens if I mess it up? What happens if I break something? What happens if someone hacks into my you pay, system? You pay me to, to get it back. Yeah, but you probably <laughs> signed something that said you hold them liable. Li um, oh, yeah, faultless. forever. Your children, your yeah. grandchildren, everybody so, you ever met. Yeah, so that's, that's I, none of these things are without problems, you know, but this is a cool thing. All right, well, let's take a, a quick uh, mention that you are listening to When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine with Jay and Annie Warmke, reminding you it is indeed the end of the world as we know it. And thank God, maybe. Thank God. So we're doing a look back, look forward. So uh, we've gotten through two of them out of our five each. So uh, jump on in there, Annie. What's your third one? <laughs> well, in keeping with what we're talking about in terms of self-care and getting exercise and being outdoors, there's been a, a lot of changes in mental health counseling. Um, the pandemic led to a big switch to something called telehealth. And of course, the health industry overall it has done a lot of um, going online. 
But anyway, for psychologists and, and counselors and um, clinical psychologists, if they were going to continue to provide at least some services remotely, which during that time, about 96% of all services occurred online, um, according to a survey. But few have actually returned to seeing patients entirely in person since a year ago, say about 4% versus 3% in 2020. So a greater number of psychologists have adopted a hybrid approach of seeing some patients in person and some remotely. So revealing a slow progression back to the office. But they say, the psychologists and the counselors say, that um, about 96% say that they are going to use telehealth during the rest of the pandemic because it's proven effective as a therapeutic tool. And they also intend to continue providing telehealth as an option in their practice. So I, I think that's bizarre myself <laughs> because as somebody who has a degree in counseling um, and I do lots of counseling in terms of consulting and mentoring, that when you are just doing something on Zoom, and a lot of people are not really very intuitive about other people. You went to school and you learned this, but that doesn't mean you're good at it. Um, it's very difficult to, to really know everything that you need to know if you're going to really be um, of service to this person and help them get back on track for whatever the reason. So I think it's good in an emergency. I know uh, I've done some stuff with battered women where things went uh, happened online because it was a lot safer for women or they didn't have transportation. And that's certainly helpful in the case of being able to get some mental health counseling online. But I think that's a lot of what we're going to be doing. You know, it's sort of like... Um, in my experience with things like uh, the, 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 the doctors that are doing mental health counseling, medical doctors doing mental health counseling around you getting um, a, a marijuana card for, you know, having a health issue, uh, it's that, that's a joke. That's just absolutely <laughs> a joke. And I just wonder, were those people that are making these determinations in prison or on some kind of... Uh, program because they did too many drugs because uh, it's it's just wrong. And so, so you're thinking that this is not an either or kind of thing. It's going to be a, it's going to be another tool, but it's not necessarily a tool that could supersede face to face. I think it's no. And I think it's fine for emergency. And I think it's fine. Well, we've got a pandemic. People want to be safe. But I think overall, it is not really the best possible solution if it's not one of those two situations. Right. Okay. Well, my, my third one here is around um, fleet electrification, right? So what do I mean by that? Well, I've, I've, I've railed people. <laughs> my grandma said, don't talk to yourself. It's okay to talk to yourself, yeah. which it feels like you're but doing. Just don't answer. Don't, an don't, don't answer, answer the question. All right. So um, <laughs> we've talked about electric vehicles are going to be the be all and the end all of, of transportation. So um, who's going to adopt these things first? Well, we're seeing some adoption within consumers. I mean, we bought a plug-in hybrid. Um, we were, talked about the Ford Lightning in, in a different episode. So, um, but all of the major electric, or all the major car companies are moving towards electrification. But the place where it can really catch on quick is when you have a fleet of vehicles. 
So for instance, like uh, Alamo, the mili- the Alamo, military, the military, the military sure. is big doing this. The post office, you know, they've got a fleet of vehicles. UPS has a fleet of vehicles, school buses. What were you going to say about Alamo? That Alamo, seemed... that's another option. Um, you know, but that like, doesn't make sense. I well, mean... they're buying huge numbers of vehicles. And and they may decide. Okay, we oh, can get a certain deal. Oh, it hasn't happened. No, this but is the a military are actually doing this. Yeah. So so you begin to look at these fleet vehicles, and there are some really cool advantages. Let's say every vehicle, every school bus, is electric. Right. No, I saw where some cities are doing that right yeah. now. I think Columbus, so, Ohio just said so that. So most of the school buses sit idle most of the day. So you've got these massive batteries plugged into the grid. That could be a, a battery backup for the entire school system, um, you know. So, so now you've got both load load leveling and emergency backup if the grid goes down from your school buses. But your school buses are going to be low maintenance. They're going to be electrical. They're not going to pollute. So, lots of good things. But the fleets are where this is going to well, happen. That would be first. a big deal for schools because for school districts because they pre-buy gasoline and. Um, and so they wouldn't be at the mercy of fossil fuel. Right. Uh, you could changes. project, especially if you have your own power source, like a solar array or a wind turbine. Uh, yeah. You don't have the variability of uh, fossil fuel prices. Yeah. Well, I think that's the whole military is doing that just because it's, they're not at the mercy of fossil fuel. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they see it as a, a threat. Okay. I'm going to push you forward. Okay. What's your next one? Real estate increasing. Um, so real estate, the supply has been very low for uh, several years now, and that's hard to understand, um, but maybe people are moving around less. Anyway, the, the virus has definitely changed how we live in the buildings and how we, how we sell and, and buy things. Um, and also, if I'm going to sell property and it's a pandemic, I'm, I, I really don't want people coming and going in my house. And, um, and also... One thing that I'm surprised at, the prices of housing have just skyrocketed. But if you're selling your house because it's worth a lot of money, but don't you have to have another house to live in? So I don't get that. Um, um, Anyway, so they say that the number of for sale listings plummeted in 2020 at one point reaching its lowest level ever recorded for house, the percentage of houses being for sale. And... um, I know just this week I talked to somebody who um, went to look at a house and there were 40 families waiting in line to look at the house and there were 20 some offers right then. So the other thing for 2020 around real estate is because people have needed childcare, because people have, uh, a lot of people are in the position of needing to look out for their grandchildren and their children and their parents. So there's been a big move to the country um, where people are looking for bigger homes or homes that can be remodeled or built onto so that they could have a mother-in-law, father-in-law suite, um, a place for the kids to do uh, their homework at home so they don't have to go to school. So there are a lot of changes in how we're using housing, at least for people who have the big bucks. Do you think that's going to be a reversible thing because I think a lot of that is people are like, I'm miserable where I am. I want to go somewhere else. And then they're going to be miserable where they are. So they're going to move back into the city because there's nothing to do out here. And I got maintenance issues. No, I think they're going to places where they're very upscale 
and there's you know a short drive into some, I really don't want to be there. They're, they're eating up agricultural land yeah. big time. But but the thing that I think, and I don't have any point of reference for this, is that these people have families that they genuinely love and adore and want to be with and uh, we we do love and adore our granddaughter and we do love and adore each other but we're three people well four because we have a have a fairly new uh, grandson-in-law but let me finish because (laughs) I just don't get that always being so happy to to be I think All you're you're, you're reading their Twitter feed or something. <laughs> I don't instead read Twitter. Of their their <laughs> reality. All right, so mine's this is one that's going to get you um, get your blood boiling. I think one of the trends we'll begin to see is as the technology of transportation changes and goes to electrified vehicles and driverless vehicles. I think we're going to begin to see individualized mass transit. So this is, I know you're a big advocate. You loved the trains when we were in Europe. Uh, Mass transit, as far as you're concerned, is the way to go. But mass transit relies on a fixed route, and it relies on people changing their behavior to meet the route and timetable that's already established. And we're just not very good at that. So well, maybe if, in this country, people have been country, doing it for a century. Well, that's what I'm talking about. And our, our cities aren't set up for it. They're not urban centers where you no, can walk we once have you cars. get there. We want you to have to buy Yeah, a car. everything's built around the car. So why not build our mass transit system around the car, around individual vehicles where I simply dial up like an Uber, a driverless car comes to me, <gasps> it opens up, I get <gasps> in, and it takes me where I'm going. I know, and you told me when I was going, oh my God, that just terrifies me. I will not get in there with my child or my dog. Uh-huh. But you said, well, you go to the airport and you get on, like in Tampa, you get on the little trolley am, that, yeah. yeah, yeah, but it only has to go from one end of something to another. It's not negotiating other things coming we rely on We rely on elevators to safely get us from one place to another. Yeah, There's but they're a lot just going of, from one point uh, to another. Now you're just they're now not you're quibbling. A, now no, you're quibbling. that's not quibbling. Yeah. So I'm just saying that as the technology improves, and I'm not saying we're ready for prime time right now. Thank but, God. I and and when everybody it. says, I don't trust driverless cars, and I always say, I don't trust cars with other drivers in well, them Well, that's either. true. I, that's you know, an equal thing. They can't thing. be worse. <laughs> so, oh, they could be worse, so, but it, it... Not really. I mean, when, when uh, you know, if you just look at a regular suburban street or an urban street and see the other drivers all on their cell phones eating pizza... And watching a movie, you know, <laughs> while, while they're, they're driving. driving. Yeah. Uh, putting <laughs> it's not on makeup. Funny. We see it all the time. <laughs> yeah. And plus they're they're on some sort of drug. So I have seen people putting on makeup on the I'd, on I'd the rather highway. have I've seen a guy reading a newspaper, a oh, full out newspaper. One time we were together driving. and we're yeah. like, wait a minute, where's the all windshield? Right. So I'm gonna rely on a computer over those Yahoos. So so I'm happy with that. So oh. so individualized man's trend gonna cause lots of problems for sure, a lot more vehicles, but you know, hey, that never stopped us from progressing. Okay, so we don't have time to do any more. Oh, no, one no, more. wait, wait. We do, do have more. time to do this. All Tell right. me what your hopes are for the for, <laughs> for the, the, future. the next year or two. What are your hopes? Well, I, I don't know. Not, now, this not, is don't out tell of the me, blue. Don't tell me about solar. Just tell me something. Tell me hopes, hopes for the future. Well, I think what, what the pandemic, and again, this is uh, a lot of this we're saying we're in this cusp of hopefully we're at the, the tail end of it. Um, I think people have started to say, you know, the acquisition of things, the the acquisition of money, whatever, is less important. You know, time, 
um, living, quality of yeah, life. Li living to work, not, or not working <laughs> to live. Uh, yeah, you work to live, you don't live to work. And, and we've had that as a bumper sticker saying for a long time. But I hope, I hope people begin to internalize it. And if they don't, I hope that they just leave me alone. Yeah, that's a challenge. <laughs> well, for myself, I feel like there's this movement of people wanting to come together. And we saw it this summer when we had a few um, dinners on a, on a Saturday night, and it was so great. And people just didn't stop talking about anything interesting, hugging each other. And of course, now we're back into not being able to do that again. <laughs> but I think people really see and will continue this, that there's true value in those friendships of coming together and eating together and sharing life together. And I see this... I see it all the time. Okay, well, you have been listening to When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine with Jane and Annie Warmke. We want to thank our always together uh, Emmy Award winning producer, Adam Rich. And we want to thank you for spending a bit of time with us. And as your grandmother hopefully told you, the secret to a happy and sustainable life is play nice with others, clean up your own mess, and hug your dog too. All right, until next time. You can find more information on living sustainably in our unsustainable world at blueRockStation.com.